Let's pray before we get started. Lord God, this morning I ask that your word would be known and felt and planted deeply and rooted in our heart, mind, and soul this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So as I've been reading the, the Holy Scriptures, as we learned at Chick, it's never referred to as the Bible in the Bible. So um, we've been challenged to call it the Holy Scriptures because that's what it's actually called. And so as I've been reading this summer, the Holy Scriptures have come alive to me. It seems like every time I turn around, I'm thinking, wait, that's just what I read. What I'm just seeing, it, it, it was just read. I just read this. And it's actually happening in my life. I used to experience that with like daily devotions when you would read the little thing that someone else said in the passage of scripture. But I've been astonished how I have been feeling the same way as the holy scriptures seem to be lived out right in front of my eyes. And so I was a little bit tempted this morning to do what Timothy probably did is he just read the letter letters that he got and just read them and, and nodded his head and said, right. And so I, I was tempted to actually do that this morning and then sit down. Um, but I know you all are expecting something different, and so I'll bring a little bit different. But I am going to read from the Holy Scriptures this morning, and I will try to say the page numbers as they're found in here. So if you don't have one of these and you want to run out right now and grab one, I won't be offended at all. I work with youth, so that happens a lot. They run out, and sometimes they come back in. So I'd appreciate it if you came back in. Um, but... It's been fun to watch these words jump off the page for me. And I feel like the scripture that Sharon just read for us is a perfect example of this. I believe that you all were praying these things for us while we were at Chick. You prayed that all the knowledge, we would be filled with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And over and over, every night, the students would start talking about the speaker, and they would say, it clicked for me, or I understood it tonight. They were talking about wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Now, you heard 12 people share last week about Chick, and you heard about some of this understanding that came And I believe that right now they have started to live into it. They've been spending the last week seeing what that means and how to go about it. They have been trying to live out that life that is worthy to the Lord and how he's bearing fruit in their lives. There were 45 people from this church that went to Chick. And when you think about that, we are only a church of 200 that is one-fourth of the church, right? Did I do the math right on that? Yeah. Dave Sladke? Yeah. Okay. That's our math teacher in the room, if you want to know why I'm referring to him. Over the last few weeks, I've been listening to the youth tell me about the things that they are learning. And it hasn't just been from Chick. They've been learning in all sorts of ways, and they've been hearing from God. And as I've been listening to them, they've been telling me huge spiritual truths about the scriptures. And as I sat listening to them, I thought, I really f- feel like I'm hoarding this. And I'm the only one that gets to hear these stories. So actually, I've invited two students to preach with me this morning because they, they're saying it. They're living it. They're starting to understand it. And I want them to tell you about it. 
So today, you have the honor and privilege of not just hearing me preach this morning, but you're going to hear from two high school students. You're going to hear what God is teaching them. You're going to hear what I've been listening to over the last couple of weeks. You're going to hear what these two have to say. And the two youth that are going to help me preach this morning are Gretchen Farmer and Larry Burks. And we're going to call him Junior for today, but it's not really Junior. But there's the older one and there's the younger one. So the Junior one, whatever. He's here with us this morning. All right. At Chick, we had four different concepts that we talked about while we were there. Each day we would focus on a different aspect And we were challenged to look at our faith four different types of ways. And the four ways that we were challenged to think about things differently were inside out, upside down, backwards, and upstream. So we're going to start with inside out. Now the inside out was that you need to understand who you are as you are created in the image of God before you can be any good to anybody else on the outside. You need to value who you are and your identity in Christ before you're able to shift and be available to other people. The first speaker that spoke on Sunday night was Ben Stewart. Ben talked about moving into his new house. And he said that when he moved in, the front yard was a mess of weeds. And he said, do you know, he asked this question to the audience, do you know how my neighbors knew that I had moved in? And it, it, it hit me right between the eyes. I knew exactly what he's saying, but he quickly rushed ahead just in case 5,000 teenagers didn't answer the question. They knew because the yard had started to change. They knew someone had moved into the house because the outside yard had started to change. It began to grow and flourish in his care. And right away, I had this image of the Holy Spirit coming into lives and changing people from the inside out. He moves into your soul and he changes you from the inside out. He wants to get a hold of our minds, our hearts, so that he can change us from the inside out. So this morning, I want to invite up Gretchen Farmer because she was talking about how at base camps at Chick, she has become aware of her, this, this piece of the Imago Day. But Gretchen, before you go, I want everyone to be drawn to the attention, this passage of scripture. 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but in faith. But yet set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Uh, So today I'd like to talk to you about our image in God's eyes. Um, Today there's so many influences and distractions that alter the way that we see ourselves. These new identities that we create are based off lies But since these identities involve physical characteristics, we devote a lot of our time to what seems like trying to improve these images. And according to God, we should focus on improving our spiritual life so that we are able to live for God. Being being tall or short is not what's going to get you into heaven, and it's what's on the inside that really counts. 
One of the speakers at Chick talked of the risks we should take, not as in jumping off cliffs and stuff, but just having the courage to share God's word and to change the world. People choose to ignore God's voice because it can be easier, or what God wants you to do can seem unattainable in a way. But from what I've learned at Chick, going along with confidence is how we can do anything through God. And to gain that confidence can be as simple as reflecting on our own image. We are individually made in God's image. And doesn't the slightest part of you want to know what part that is? Um, Well, just to make sure, we can try to improve every part of our spiritual lives. Joshua 1.9 states, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is the only perfect thing and does not make mistakes. That means that I am not a mistake, you are not a mistake, no one is a mistake. Everyone is perfect in God's eyes. We just have to be able to put on that lens and see the world for how it really is. For example, who gets to determine who is beautiful or not? A picture that is photoshopped or God who created the whole universe? Tell me now, which one sounds more realistic? Through focus groups, one in particular, we talked about our image. Without our identity, we don't have a purpose, but we have to make sure that we choose the right identity. I can be identified as a high school student, a soccer player, or someone that likes to spend time with family and friends. That's great and all, but through God, my identity is a child of God, light of the world, joint heir with Christ, a temple, a new creation, a dwelling place of God, righteous and holy, a threat to the devil, free from condemnation, confident, complete in Christ, redeemed and forgiven for all my sins, chosen, beautiful, accepted, more than a conqueror, fearless, treasured, worthy of his love, a delight to God, secure, loved unconditionally, gifted, a citizen of heaven, and created in God's image. Now, to me, this identity sounds a lot better, and not just because the list is like 10 times longer. Uh, God created this identity for everyone, and with this identity, we are able to find the purpose that God has left for us as individuals. If someone that created the whole world loves me that much, honestly, it leaves me in awe. All of these descriptions of my identity are direct statements from the Bible, which shows how God's word not only reveals the truth, but helps guide us in our mission for God. Thank you, Gretchen. Powerful words from a young woman who knows her identity in Christ. Again, I think about how you all were behind that and making sure that we all got to Chick, all 45 of us. During my week at Chick, I had the enormous privilege of teaching one of these focus groups that Gretchen spoke on. And I also was focusing on the image of God. Throughout my time, I was amazed at how God would work with each group of 60 students that would come in my room during the course of the week. As I was teaching the first group, one of the students asked a question, and I can't even remember what the question was. But suddenly it hit me right between the eyes. If I'm created in the image of God, and that student who just asked that question is created in the image of God, When I look into his or her eyes, I am looking at a facet of the image of God. 
It was a powerful experience to have 60 kids flood that room twice a day and to know that all, almost all 500 of them that came through the door, I was looking at a unique piece of who God is. I was blown away with this. I didn't know it was going to happen, and I just felt so ministered to as I stood in this room with these, these students. I was awestruck, just like Gretchen was, as my view was stretched about what the image of God means. Lecrae, which you've heard the kids talk about, he's a Christian rapper, put it this way. Performance does not define us. So if we're good at something, it doesn't define us. But it is our position with God. And he talked about his son, his child, his own son who was learning to walk. And he told us about when when his son would fall, he didn't be like, oh, come on. He would cheer when his son would make one step. And he said to us, and he was joking around, but he was very serious at the same time, that his son did not have to earn his father's love. If everything that that child did was based on performance, he said, my son does not perform very well. But the love had nothing to do with his performance. Another one of the base camp days... The concept was upside down. So back in June, Matt and Larry, uh, Matt Dykstra and Larry Burks went up to Covenant Point to an Adventures in Leadership camp. They backpacked and learned about leadership. And when they returned, I was meeting with them at Portillo's, and this conversation started to pop up. And Larry was talking to me about the leadership that he had learned about. And as I listened to this upside-down concept he was talking about, I was struck. It was something I needed to remember, and I needed to relearn, and I needed to think about. And so I'm inviting Larry Burks up here this morning to tell us about servant leadership. Good morning, everyone. So, yeah, back in July, me and Matt went up to Covenant Point, and we were learning about leadership, but more specifically, more specifically, servant leadership, which is, it's like, a little bit different, but one of our, uh, a youth pastor from another church, his name is Brian, he was talking to me and Matt, and he drew out a diagram that looks like that, and so a lot of people think of a leader as someone who is in charge, like, making commands, telling everyone what to do, and everything like that. But that's not really what, like, leadership is. People, like, a leader could be... So the best example of a servant leadership is Jesus, because he, like, a good example is when he was washing all his disciples' feet, that he was serving all the people that he was in charge of, basically. So it's important that if you look at the diagram, that's like the traditional view, is the leader is on top and everyone else is on the bottom, and they're like commanding down on them, I guess. But on the servant leadership side, 
the leader is making sure he puts everyone else before him and that he meets all of their needs so that in return they'll listen to him and follow through what they need to do. <laughs> and I just thought this was really cool. It's like you don't need to be a leader, you don't need to be like an out there go get it, go get them like telling everyone what to do and stuff, but even just having a small part in making sure that people around you feel good about everything they're doing and that they're doing everything right, then they'll understand that you're actually a good leader. And I just thought this was something really cool that it hit me as a different way of leadership that I'd never thought about before. Thank you, Thank Larry. You. Good. Upside down, upside down. So day two was about upside down as when we were at Chick. And it made me think of this passage of scripture, Philippians 2, 3 through 8, which is on page 214 and 215 in your books. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus, as Christ Jesus who being a very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It's powerful The God of the universe came down and was willing to be vulnerable, was willing to humble himself to be in a frail human body. As I was listening to Larry speak, I was also reminded of the words from Romans, and they came to life to me again. Romans 12.3, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment. This is an upside down compa- this is very upside down compared to what our society asks of us. Think about your society, what they are doing even to our young children. Whatever you are a part of, be the best of the best of the best. If you play soccer, play on six teams. It's probably only three. If you play baseball, be on as many teams as you can. If you are smart in school, make sure you are taking those classes so you can get higher than a 4.0. No one is honest with our children anymore to let them know that these things are not the things that will last in eternity. These things will fade In fact, it might even by the time they get to college. What God thinks is eternal is children who are seeing each other as equals. People who are putting one another before themselves, not scratching their way to the top to be the best. Jesus modeled that behavior. He was always thinking of others before himself. 
He was always taking that opportunity. We can be like him, but it takes godly leadership, servant leadership that Larry was talking about, humbling ourselves and being amongst the people that need to hear about God's love. Jesus lived this out best. It felt very backwards even in his time. The Jewish people were expecting the King of kings and the Lord of lords to come in and triumphantly conquer. But he came as a little, tiny, homeless child. Now my sister and I have this contest and it has to do with our Christmas pageant at our church. And, I, and you may have heard me you know, quote a few passages from this pageant before, but I don't think I've quoted this one. And our contest is, is to casually bring it up in conversation, so I don't know if I get more points for it being in the sermon or not. But I definitely cracked her up when I was trying to remember it all, and I was text messaging her about a quiz, a Christmas pageant quiz. And she thought I was joking. I was like, no, I really need to know who said this. So here's the quote. This is one of my favorite quotes from the pageant, but it's very hard to work into the average conversation. But this morning, it really seems to work for me. We believe it was the innkeeper that said, Nazareth, that backwards town, No good could ever come of such. Now, I loved hearing this every year because it was usually this 12-year-old that said it with such great, deep passion. And I would giggle inside a little bit, even as the youth pastor, as I watched this same pageant go on for 10 years, even as the youth pastor. The reason it would cause me to giggle is because I know that that's how God works. It's backwards. He's backwards, and he shows everyone. I love that God took a kid that hated school and could hardly get through, and he's now using her for his work. It's backwards. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. I was supposed to be a nanny who played with kids. But God loves to do this. He loves to take things and redeem it for his good. That's what he's in the business of, redeeming. This is his main gig. He takes all that others think are too backwards and can't amount to anything, and he uses it for his good and his glory because he sees the potential. Probably why he made me a youth pastor, because he knew I would always be looking for the potential. Because I was that kid. I was that kid that everybody passed over. If you continue on in Philippians, it goes on to say that therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He took that frail little baby and made him king. It took time 
for us to be able to see that he was exalted to the highest place. We couldn't see that at the beginning. His own disciples doubted it at times. In 1 Corinthians, it goes on to talk about Jesus loved about Jesus loved those that he called as well. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. I'm going to read that again. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, and the things that, that, things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, whom has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let no one boasts. Let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Which brings me to my last point, upstream. To me, upstream is all about your calling. When you're following your calling, it's usually difficult. It's usually complex. And it's usually hard work. When you are fully living into your calling, you must move against the usual or the easy flow, even your own easy flow. So one of the Wyman slash Pearl people that went with us, she had this to say. Her name is Amber. Lecrae taught me how to not make God a priority. What? But to make him preeminent. In other words, include God in everything I do every day. I was so used to having to structure, so used to a structure in my life that God comes first, others second, and I'm third. The funny thing is that that although I had God set as my priority, I did not treat him as a priority. The other thing I learned is to not put a time limit on God. I currently have a habit of doing devotions in the morning as soon as I wake up, which can be good, but I usually check it off my list and say that I'm good for the day. I read my Bible. I'm all right, right? I'm done. I always ended up forgetting what I was reading. So I will continue to do my devotions, which I was glad to hear. But I will change my mindset. I want the word to reside in me where it can never leave me and impact me throughout the day. That is how I have spent. Then I will know how I have spent a day well with God active in me. I think Amber's words are true for all of us at some point in our time. This summer, we're not just reading this book to check it off our list We're not just reading this book together to say that we read the New Testament. We're not reading this book to just say, I did it today. We're reading this book so that we can allow our lives to be impacted. 
We're reading the Holy Scriptures so that we can be changed and transformed and more like Christ. So that we can swim that upstream into our calling that God has for us. Next week, the Saza family is coming, and they're going to talk to us about their upstream ministry that they're doing in Colombia. This is a big commitment to live in another country, to swim upstream that they're called to. Next week, Gretchen Farmer is going to share one more time about her calling that she received at Chick. Living into our calling is rarely easy. It will always require us to go against the flow. When we are living out our ministry, we are going to usually be going against the current of society. There will even be times that living out your ministry becomes so hard that you question your calling at all. You wonder if you are called to follow God in the way that he said before. And this is when we need to take ourselves to the passage of Scripture from Romans 11. On page 181, God's gifts are irrevocable. This means that no matter what, God still has a call on your life. No matter what, he wants to use your gifts. It's difficult. It will be hard. Swimming against this current is difficult and always will be. And it requires our full attention and energy. Think about that for a moment. When you're swimming against the stream, that's the only thing you can think about, isn't it? I'm trying to get upstream. And that's our call. Go against the flow. So here are God's final words that he brought to me that I believe I'm supposed to pass on to you as I finish. It's from Ephesians 4 on page 201. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Let's pray. Lord God, you have called your people. You are calling them by name. You desire them to get front and center with you and swim upstream. So I ask you, Lord, this morning that as you are putting things on people's hearts, that you would give them the strength and the courage to live in the difficult and to swim upstream. Amen.